Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo. here with you on a Victory Sunday. It is also Super Bowl Sunday. What's your as we're doing this, you know, Super Bowl has not been played yet. What is your prediction for today? Ah, uh, I think I'm going to go Chiefs and a close one, and I think it's going to be high scoring. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Um, let's see, 41-38. I like that. That'd be an exciting game, if nothing else. Yeah, that's that's where I'm going. Okay, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'll stay with you on that. I'm, I'm not even going to argue with you. I can live with those all those projections. Uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts. We appreciate all of our listeners, especially our servicemen and women taking care of us out there every day. We want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. I went to Churn and Spoon Ice Cream uh, this weekend. Got a, uh, I got a, a sea turtle milkshake. And I went next door to Strange Brew Coffee House and uh-huh. got a caramel macchiato, so, which we- had cinnamon in it. And I met one of our, our loyal listeners uh, at, uh, at, at, at uh, Turn and Spoon as well. So, very good uh, weekend for, for them. Very good weekend uh, for you if you went by that place. If you went and got yourself a, a, a delicious treat at Turn and Spoon or a hot coffee over at Strange Brew. also want to thank our other sponsor, uh, College Corner. You can check them out online at collegecornerstore.com or you can check out either one of their locations in Jackson, in the Jackson area. They're in, uh, in Ridgeland over by Fleet Feet. They're in the by the Half Shell. In Flowood, and they have the best selection of Mississippi State merchandise anybody's going to have. When you come up to Starkville, and it looks like more of you are going to start coming because the basketball team's pretty good, uh, make sure you have your maroon and white merchandise ready to roll. Have it on your person when you get in the car to drive on up here. And you can do that when you go to College Corner or collegecornerstore.com. Good weekend for MSU. We'll talk some recruiting in the second half of the show. I'll go ahead and disappoint everybody. There's no recruiting song. I told you it's not going to make it happen. So, You're not going to live sing it or anything? I mean, I don't have a... Uh, first of all, somebody asked if you could play the banjo. Can you play the banjo? I cannot. Secondly, that's not band. That's not a banjo. They're not playing a banjo in that music, in that in that clip. What is it? Uh, it's it's two guys playing the guitar. Okay, that's just a guitar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That is Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed. There you go. I mean, that's two of the best. I do have like a banjo-ish thing at the house that Cade plays with that my parents bought and <laughs> it's like, like a ukulele Cozumel or something yeah. so like I, I could have brought it's it probably in. more of a ukulele <laughs> so, we uh, could have used it do we don't know how to play it well I think someone said that that'd make it even better the fact that I, I don't guess. know how to play it so. I guess I guess I guess all right uh we'll worry about that though in the second half of the show <laughs> uh oh hey look at this the uh this will make you happy do you follow Joe Posnowski I don't believe that I do he's been doing the top 100 players in baseball history Today is number 54, Chipper Jones. Woo. That's my boy. It's incredible to think about. We're going to get a little off topic here, but all the players that have played in baseball history, number 54, does that seem too high or too low for you? Uh, it's probably about right to me. I mean, you, you think about it. Um, I guess I have to, I, I got to see the whole thing. I, I don't know, you know if there are any egregious misses one way or the other. I'd have to go back to baseball reference and look, but mm-hmm. the last time that I saw like how many players have played Major League Baseball in history, mm-hmm. it's not as high of a number as you would think. A few thousand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's. I, I want to say it was like... No, nah, I don't even want to get, throw out yeah. a guess, but it, it was like a five-digit number below 20,000, I believe. Yeah. So, he's or in around the top... 20, so, he's, what we're saying there, he's in the top 5%? Oh, yeah. Okay, I can live with that. I guess I can live with that. All right. Mississippi State basketball, if if only second halves counted, 
would be in the top 1% of all teams in the country, and that includes the NBA, uh, because they are just a dominant force in the second half. They played better in the first half. They weren't, you know, they were down six at the break to uh, to Tennessee, down 34-28. And they got hampered because Abdul-Ladu had to leave the and game. And it changed up a lot of what they wanted yeah. to do. And, and Tennessee is a team that wants to get inside, uh, and, 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 and they were able to do that a little easier. Once Adu came back into the second half, it changed everything. And Reggie Perry continues to uh, to be a dominant force. Um, he got double digits from Nick Weatherspoon. He got double digits from Robert, Robert Woodard. And then you get 20 points from D.J. Stewart, and you asked the question of uh, of, of uh, Rick Barnes. I almost called him Rick Grimes. Just want to let you know. Pull <laughs> they, out a, they, they look like the walking dead in the pull, second half. He pulled out a baseball bat and just beat you to death with it. Uh, but I, you asked him the question. Yeah, there's no way the scouting report for Tennessee's had D.J. Stewart as a guy we need to stop. But he had 20 points, including a couple of big three-pointers that pushed Mississippi State's lead out to eight, really invigorated the crowd. And let's talk about the crowd for a second. Fantastic. Uh, they, they, they listed 8,100. I thought you know, that was – it's not far off enough that I'm going to quibble. You know, it, 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 that's a good estimate. And it was a good crowd. And they were up at the right times. And once the team took over, they were, they were into the game. Ben Hallen said after the game, he wants all of his games tip off at 1 o'clock on a Saturday. Now I, I, I get where he's coming from. I do too, Ben. <laughs> oh, man, it was fantastic. Yeah. Right? We were done, done working at 4 o'clock. Um, but this was a really good win for MSU. 86-73 is the final score over Tennessee. Perry finishes with 24-12. and 12. DJ Stewart, as I mentioned, had 20-14 for Woodard. Uh, Weatherspoon with 11 points. He also had 9 assists to only uh, 2 turnovers. Not a big game for Tyson Carter. But DJ Stewart sort of picked up that slack. If one of those two guys is getting you 15 to 20 points, you're going to win basically every time out. Yeah, no doubt about it because you you got Robert Woodard, who's Mr. Double-Double. Excuse me, Reggie Perry's Mr. Double-Double. You got Robert Woodard, who Ben Howland called Mr. Consistent or whatever yeah. whatever label he put on him in the postgame because you just know what you're going to get out of those guys most nights. Very very rarely will they you know, drop off all that much, and they, and they may even do something special. And it seems like Robert Wood – or why am I keep mixing them up? Reggie Perry seems to do something special just about every night out now. He, and got to be the easy favorite to be the SEC Player of the Year right at yeah. this moment. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, if you get anything out of Stewart, you get anything out of Carter. I mean, Nick Weatherspoon's been really consistent the last two or three games as well. Mm-hmm. You're winning just about every single night out. If that happens, I mean Mississippi State right now. I bet they're kind of kicking themselves a little bit, just because if they had just gotten one of those first three, yeah. I mean they're really sitting pretty right now. I mean they'd be what six and two in the league right now had had they had LSU's final shot just not fallen. They'd be six and two in the league right now, and uh, they're they're already after this win. I think they're up to in the thirties now in the net, which is where Ben Howland said a few days ago they wanted to be. Um, this is a really, really, really good basketball team. They're yeah. not really deep, yeah. uh, but not many teams are, quite frankly. Yeah. And, uh, man, you want to talk about sitting pretty? Yeah. They go to Rupp on Tuesday night, win that game. Then then, then, then you're starting to start talking about seeding. Yes. At that point. You know, that game's going to bump them up in the, in the net no matter what. You know, we saw that earlier this year with the Oklahoma game. They played a team that was ahead of them in the net. They went up even with a loss. So, I mean, they're at 39 as we sit here on Sunday. After Tuesday, minimum, they should be 36 maybe. And with a win, you could be talking about 31, maybe starting to leak into the 20s a little bit. So, everything's coming together for Mississippi State. I thought this game sort of proved what we've been saying on the show a little bit of that it's not just Perry. Perry can go out there and have a tremendous game. 
but he's got to have the guys around him. And when you get them all, when 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 you get three or four guys around him, this team is almost unbeatable. And that that's a, that's a bold statement, I know. But if Perry is getting his points and dominating the boards, and then you're going to get double digits from three other guys, I mean, that, that's that's difficult. It's impossible to stop. The other thing about Perry that makes him difficult to stop is this: you can't hack him. You, there's no hack of Perry. All right, he was 12 of 15 from the line. He's shooting 85 percent off the line in, conf- in, in his conference play, uh, or I'm sorry, during this five game winning streak. I think is the, is the number I saw. Um, State as a team was 25 of 30 from the line. I mean, if you're gonna, this is a team that can get to the line because not only is Perry going to get there, but Woodard, Weatherspoon, Carter, and Stewart are all guys who can drive and they can get fouled on the way to the basket. That you're basically unbeatable. State's State's line in the second half of shooting was 69 percent, 80 percent, 85 percent. You will win almost every game you play. It's going to take an unusual thing to happen for you to lose. Yeah. At oh, one by, point, that was seventy-two percent too. And oh, by the, the way, they, they out-rebounded by fifteen. In the yeah, half. I mean, I mean, yeah. it was just a whooping in the second half. There's no other way to say it. State just beat the crap out of them in the second half. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way. I just realized something, by the way. We did a sound check before this that I can't delete. Oh well. <laughs> I'll try to figure it out. Maybe I can. I don't know if I can or not. Um, <laughs> thought about did, that. Did like, I say anything stupid in I, the course I think of the? We dropped check. like six f bombs. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Uh, All six coming from one direction. Why can't you say one? You could say one every now and then. Um, I was very impressed with the way they played on Saturday. And, and like I said, if they can ever put together a complete game, if they can ever start to finish play, they're going to run somebody off the court. It's going to be. It's going to look really, really ugly. And now this is a good stretch for them right here. They have a game. You look ahead to next Saturday. Vanderbilt has not won a conference game in a year and a half. Um, so you feel like you're going to be able to win that game. By the way, I don't know if people are aware of this or not. Talking about you know trying to get some attendance, they will honor the 1996 Final Four team at that game. So chance to see some of the uh, the great players. And from what I'm, I've been told, almost everybody's going to be there. Um, and then this game with Kentucky, sort of playing with house money, right? Got to be yeah. they got to be loose. And then you got Kentucky sort of coming off a bad loss, not a bad loss, but a loss to Auburn. Uh, I, I, I've watched Kentucky a few times this year. I'm not really sure what to make of them. I think they're good. They have some good pieces, but it, it's not gelling the way it should. If the name on their jersey didn't say Kentucky, they would probably be like in the bottom half of the top 25. Well, that and I don't think people would look at this game on Tuesday night as this humongous mountain to climb. Right, because it's just going to Rupp. A, yeah. a lot of it is a mental thing. State just doesn't play well at Rupp usually, and a lot of it has to do with Kentucky usually is elite. Yeah, this Kentucky team. I'll say this, and they'll end up winning the national the national title or something. They're, they're not elite. <laughs> no, they're good. They're good. They're a good, but not great team. That's what the SEC is this year. Yeah, it's a bunch of good, but not great teams. Everybody seems to have a flaw. Even LSU, who's undefeated at this point, has flaws, and they've won. I mean, they keep winning close games. That tends to balance itself out. They, they are probably due a three game losing streak at some point. And the wins are going to come. I don't know. But you know, Kentucky, Auburn has flaws. They shoot too many threes, and they don't really make them. Um, and then you have Kentucky, you have Mississippi State, Arkansas got a big win over out. That Arkansas-Alabama game is going to end up being a game, I think, from Saturday that somebody points to as that's why they got in or that's why they didn't get in. I could, I could see that happening. Both of those teams really needed that win. Arkansas was good in victory. And that I think Arkansas now is up in the upper 30s of the net. So State wants Arkansas to keep winning. That'd give yeah. them another quad one win if exactly. they can get back in the top 30. And, Opportunity now for Mississippi State to get a third 
uh, second quad one win if they can win uh, against Kentucky. And like you mentioned, with Reggie Perry, though, this is some of the best basketball we've seen played at Mississippi State since Lawrence Roberts' uh, junior season uh, in Starkville. He's playing at a higher level than even that. Even as good as Roberts was, you knew that's eh, probably going to be a stretch for him in the NBA because he, he didn't have the same size. Perry Perry's doing it all right now. Now, his, his mid-range game still needs some work. He had a couple of bad shots early in the uh, first half. But down low, he's unstoppable. And if you have a guy who can combine that with, if you put him on the line, he hits his free throws, I mean, that's just a recipe for success. Woodard, I, I see what people are seeing with him as far as the NBA because he's a great defender, first and foremost. Um, but his mid-range game, and it's funny, we were talking about the mid-range game on, on Sports Talk Mississippi uh, the other day about how there's a lot of teams, and Alabama sort of subscribes to this philosophy. It's three-pointers or dunks. Three-pointers, we don't, we don't take mid-range jump shots. And, and Hallam was asked about it, and he didn't really go too deep into it. But it's a weapon for Woodard. He can hit for the, those shots. He can rise above defenders. He has the, the pull-up game. He, has the, uh, he can step back. He can get around guys. And then State's just good getting to the basket. Stewart, Carter, and Weatherspoon are all athletic guards that can get to the back, basket. And then Adu just sort of picks up the crumbs. You know, whatever. If he, he had, what, two putbacks, I think, on Saturday and a couple of free throws. He had some rebounds, a couple of blocked shots. I mean, he just played well. Yep. Just played well. So it was a very impressive performance. These last two second halves, if you make that one game, I mean, you're talking about state beating conference teams by 34 points. They're just, they just destroyed Florida and Tennessee in the second half. I think Reggie Perry, when we, later on Monday, will be named SEC Player of the Week again. It's a good stretch for MSG basketball. And regardless of what happens Saturday or Tuesday night, they should be able to keep that going on Saturday with a win. And then, you, I mean, you've, you've won six of seven in the conference yeah. at that point. Everything's everything's clicking right now for MSU basketball. We'll see how much further they can take it. But right now, as we sit here on, you know, it's Sunday, February 2nd, 2020, this is a tournament team. You know, Lenardi said on Saturday that if State beat Tennessee, he would have them in the next projection. That hasn't come out yet that I've seen. Uh, but it's it's reasonable to assume he'll hold to that his word. And yeah, it's it's gonna like you said, if they if they beat Kentucky on on Tuesday, we can start talking about okay, how high a seed can they get? That's right. So interesting stuff. Normally, this is where I would say, and speaking of interesting stuff, and we would, but it's just not here, guys. It's just, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Um, big recruiting weekend for MSU. They had some 2020 guys coming in, uh, guys like defensive back Kyle Cass from Mississippi Delta Community College. South Haven offensive lineman Khalil Benson was here. But the two commitments that came in were of the 2021 variety. Never too early to start getting those commitments in. I think MSU will host a junior day very soon. Um, to, to really get you know those guys coming in. But let's talk about the guys who made the pledge. And we'll start with, always popular, a flip. Call the, uh, the first, the first uh, uh, shot from uh, Mike Leach and, and Lane Kiffin. Give it to the Bulldogs. Mississippi State flips Hartfield Academy's wide receiver Brandon Buckhalter, three-star prospect, uh, rated as the number eight player in the state. Uh, six foot three, 192 pounds. Interesting kid plays. I mean, at the absolute lowest division of football, you can almost play at and still play eleven on eleven in this state. Plays one A academy ball, but as a D one prospect, um, I mean, his size is good. His numbers bear out. His you know he's he's having big numbers against these teams, so that's a good thing. Malik Keith's cousin. Malik, yeah, Malik Keith's cousin, and just for me. This is I don't know this is going to be like a, an opening salvo or anything. I don't think this is going to turn into dirty, you know, on both sides any dirtier than it's going to be, period. 
But for it's for the well, Kiffin's putting together this elite recruiting staff, and Leach is not known as a great recruiter. This is a good win for Mississippi State. On top of the fact that it's at a position of need, uh, it's just it's good to flip one away from them. Yeah, just for our sakes on the Twitter sphere with with everybody, you know, talking about with Buckley and, and Deke Adams and and other guys at Ole Miss and just the recruiting battle to kind of win that first one, I guess, a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, who knows? Now a long, and then, way, long go, way, yeah. way he may flip back. No, no telling how this thing plays out. But I think this at least settles down some people's nerves a little bit to think that um, State is somehow inferior to Ole Miss in the recruiting game right now. I mean, right. it, it's – a lot, a lot of recruiting battles between now and the time, like you said, that gets signed. But I, I think this probably does calm some nerves a little bit w- with the recruiting chops of the current staff. Yeah, it's it's definitely something. When you look at this class coming up, and we've talked about it a few times here, you, your top uh, three guys in the class are wide receivers, and four of the top five. Um, you got the kid Isaiah Brevard at uh, I think it's Brevard, I don't know, uh, from South Haven. Deion Smith, who's committed to LSU, was committed to Mississippi State. We'll be interested to see if State can get back in the mix there. And then you have Antonio Harmon out of Kosciuszko, who is uh, his, uh, I think his uncle played football at Mississippi State, but he's definitely being looked at. And there's there's some concerns with him. And concerns are not maybe the right word, but he's a he's so big. He's 6'3 and 200 pounds, but he's got the frame. Everybody, think, everybody was making the comments before Mike Leach got here that he's a guy that could convert to a tight end. Uh, but now, obviously, you don't know how that would work, but still a very talented, talented football player. And it's funny you say that. Nobody makes those comments about Brevard, and he's 6'4 and 200 pounds. So <laughs> one thing, that's, that's the thing I like about these, these receivers for, for next year. There's not, a lot, there's not a lot of 5'10 guys. All right, you look at these guys. Brevard is 6'4", Smith is 6'1 and a half, Harmon is 6'3", Moore, Jacoby Moore out of Harrison Central is 6'4". Um, Kadarius Callaway, who's an athlete, who's committed to state, probably won't play offense, but you never know now. Uh, but he's six one. Buckhalter is six foot three. I mean, th- these are big guys. So, you know, you got a, a rare opportunity in this state next year to to get some players at a position you desperately need them at. You're going to finally be running an offense that's going to feature them. I mean, you can tell all four. You could tell. You could go into any living room right now and tell Brevert, Smith, Harmon, and more. All four of them say, "Look, if you come here." Chances are you're probably going to start or at least play an incredible amount as a true freshman, and you'll probably catch at least 50 passes in your first year. By the time you're a senior, you might catch 80 or 90. That, that's a good pitch. You know, for if you're a wide receiver, that's what you want to hear. I'm going to play early, and I'm going to catch a lot of passes. I don't know what else you can offer at that point. Nope, and it goes back to what we talked about with the, the hire of Leach. And, and, again, this is some of that pie-in-the-sky stuff and sunshine pumping, but – if State can continue to recruit the type of defensive player that basically State has always recruited and State can keep having these type of defenses that are, uh, you know, really good and sometimes even great, and then you, you mix in the fact that now you run an offensive scheme that's attractive to premier skill position guys, mm-hmm. I mean, you can draw yourself up a scenario to get really excited about where Mississippi State football could get to. Right. Um, it, 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 like you said, perfect storm kind of thing of, you keep doing what you've done defensively, but now you finally got a system and a coach who can attract the two things you've had trouble. Yeah, and I, I don't say quarterback. I wouldn't list that as what you you missed because you got four star guys on the roster. Yeah, but it's a different kind of quarterback. Yeah. It's a quarterback whose arm is his primary weapon. What you what you don't want to happen here from a recruiting standpoint is is kind of the Robin Peter 
pay Paul kind of deal where yeah. you become labeled as the offensive school right. and you have offensive talent and people interested there. Right. And, and then, I don't know, maybe there's negative recruiting against you. Like, you're going to be on the field so much. I mean, you can yeah. excel more defensively here at this school. I think and, what helps State there is, and I know they didn't play for Mike Leach, but State can call on Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox and Jonathan Abram and Darius Slay and Jeff Simmons and those guys and say, look, look at the guys we're putting in the NFL. That's not going to change. We're still going to get those kind of players. I think that's that. I think State can can counteract that a lot more than say Ole Miss could under you know the past few years when they had great offense but didn't have defense because they weren't putting guys like that in the NFL. The only guy they had in there was was Robert Kibdiche, and look how that turned out. So Buckhalter is a big get, but State State is definitely not. I would imagine State's going to sign at least five wide receivers in this upcoming class. They would they, of those those top four four of those top five guys, they would take all four of them plus Buckhalter. They might take one more if they could get them. To be totally honest, when you look ahead to like you look ahead to like next season, I mean Mitchell's gone, Peyton's gone, uh, Austin Williams will be gone, right? Gosh, it seems like he's been here a while. I think I, he I might be a he that. might be a senior at that point. I mean, you just yeah, you're gonna need you're gonna need guys, no question about it. The other guy committed, Daniel Greek out of Liberty Christian High School, Argyle, Texas, pro style quarterback, six foot, six foot four. 230 pounds. It's a lot of blowback on this. Oh, he's, he's too low rated. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think his rating is too – he's a three-star player. Uh, I don't think his rating is too much different than what Will, Will Rogers was when he committed. I think it's just people see Will Rogers plays at Brandon, and this kid's from Texas. Um, all indications and, and reading message boards and reading what Paul and Steve were talking about this weekend on 24-7 Sports is that this is going to be a two-QB class for this, this upcoming year, and this guy is going to be QB2. This is a guy who I think he just he wants to have the opportunity to be coached by and play for Mike Leach. From what I can tell from his recruitment, he was very high on Washington State before this, and now he's he's coming to Mississippi State. Big kid, though, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds. Um, plays out in Texas, so you know he's going to have a little bit of a he's going to be a little bit ahead of where the average quarterback prospect was because he's probably running a very similar system out there. But he this is not a commitment that's going to deter MSU from recruiting Ty Keys from Luke Altmeyer. Uh, from the quarterbacks we talked about last week, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. State's going to be still very hard on those guys, but they needed a two QB class. In all honesty, they needed one last year. And I was really surprised when uh, when they, they didn't do it. You know, They didn't just go after somebody to try to give themselves – because there is going to be attrition in that room. I, I, I cannot put into words how surprised I will be if we get to kickoff against New Mexico, and Keaton Thompson and Jalen Maiden are still on the roster. If they're both on the roster, then it is the must really, really, really love Mississippi State. They are Bulldogs, and don't ever doubt it. Because if they want to play, they're going to have to go somewhere else. So State's got to do – they've got to do some things. And I, I, I wouldn't be totally against trying to find a grad transfer. Not, I'm, I know we've, I'm not talking about K.J. Costello. I'm yeah. talking about a Gunner Hope type who's just, you know – can you find a G5 quarterback that just wants to play his last year? Sort of what Gardner Minshew was going to do at Alabama before he ended up getting the Mike Leach offer to go to Washington State. Just somebody who wants to come in and, and, and sort of learn under Leach a little bit. I don't know if that's possible or not, but State has, some, has to do some things there because if they don't, you're looking at next year saying it's Schrader, Rodgers, and, and a true freshman. You only have three, and you, know, you don't have a ton of experience there. 
They have to do some things. So this will be a two QB class. Unless Greek, one of the others, Maiden or somebody, did stick around. Which would be incredibly odd to me. I can see one of them sticking, maybe. Maiden is the one that would make more sense to stick. Honestly, and this is just me, I've only seen a very limited amount of Jalen Maiden. But when I watched him in practice, I thought he throws a pretty decent football. I thought he was relatively accurate. And for me, this system would sort of play to his strengths. And it's what it, you know, he came from Texas, sort of the same mold as some of these guys. I don't know why he, I don't think I don't know why he couldn't be successful. Now you remember I was sort of banging the Jalen Maiden drum uh, last spring, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't work out. I think I, we 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 don't know for sure if he was part of the Tudor Gate thing, but we think he was. I mean, that's just sort of we we don't know, so we can't say for sure. And that might have been why he didn't have a big part to play. But I think he could be successful in this offense if given the opportunity. But that said, not my decision. You know, I'm not saying you know. I'm not saying that I'm. Oh, well, the coach said it, so I believe. You know, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. Of all the people, I'm not telling you that. But we'll see where, where it takes. I, I, Keaton is the one. He, he's going to go. He's going to go unless he just wants to play wide receiver. Yeah. I, I, do you see another I'm, way? I'm kind of shocked he's still here right now. So. Well, maybe 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 he's trying to graduate. I don't I don't know. There's. The possibility he's trying to graduate because you you can't be a grad transfer unless you're a grad unless you graduate. So there's possible that's very much because you got to think he, he's got an extra you know semester on everybody. He could get out of here early, um, and maybe maybe he is open to a position change. You know maybe maybe Mike Leach is talking to him and saying, "Look, you've got what it takes to be a good receiver in my system." And I mean, you want to go to the NFL? Well, if I if you catch seventy five passes and you're six foot four and two hundred and twenty pounds. And you show good speed and good hands, but you'll get drafted. So maybe that maybe that's the, the thought process there. I don't know for sure, but I do know that I, I expect there to be some flaw. I expect it to be attrition all over the field. To be totally honest, I expect a couple of the tight ends to go away, just because there's not really a spot for them anymore. Somebody like Brad Cumbus to me, the thought would be: Should I go to baseball full time? Um, I don't know. So we'll see. One other bit of football news from the weekend. Um, speaking of recruiting. Uh, a, a new coach on staff from the University of Texas, defensive backs coach Jason Washington. Uh, Wonder if Hork will try to get his autograph when he gets here. Well, you know these last couple of Texas teams haven't been great. He might not want, he might want to go over there and chide him a little bit. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Um, for me, it's an interesting hire. He was the recruiter, recruiting coordinator for this class, so a power recruiter. Something the staff sort of needed. I mean, Tony Hughes is there. But for the most part, we've been talking about these guys, and we have not been talking about their recruiting prowess. Although it looks like they're very active with it, you know. Just watch—I've started following those guys on social media, and they are, especially Dave Emmerich, who's not an on-the-field coach, but he is constantly pushing the recruiting narrative. Uh, he today. seems like the most act. Maybe we judge too much by Twitter, but he seems like the most active off-field, yeah, staff dude that I I've talked seen. to some people at MSU about him because I, I, I was trying to figure out like who held this position before him. And it's, it's sort of a new position, but it's not. There was a guy here under Moorhead who had some of the same responsibilities. I couldn't quite hear you. Could you please repeat what you said? That's Siri. And it's my Siri. No, it's... I think it's mine. It's both of our series. <laughs> anyway, folks... Siri. It's one of those moments where I need my computer back. Siri has joined the show, um, and now we have shut Siri up. So I talked to those people, and uh, they said that Dave Emmerich is one of the most organized people ever. And when you think about last year, and we talked about the lack of preparation and organization, again, it sort of goes back. Now, again, maybe that's just people telling me stuff. But it sort of goes back to what I was saying with those strength and conditioning videos. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that these things are happening. You know, the, the concerns have been heard. 
Um, but with Washington coming in, I guess what this means is this. Darcel McBath, who again, by the way, McBath or McBeth? McBath, I believe. McBath, okay. I couldn't, I couldn't see his name in my head. Had been, has coming in, and he had coached corners at Washington State, as, has Tex, as had uh, Jason Washington at Texas. So our question becomes now, like, how are you, how are you putting the staff together? Because you have Tony Hughes as well. So wh- where is everybody going to be? I guess that's the question I have for you. Do you have an idea, an inkling of what's happening? Uh, I don't, but I think we're going to know that on Monday. You think you think, I, I think later today, later Monday, that they're going to make the everything announced and and it would be my my guess would be Monday. I, I, it was that just a I guess. Think, I think it'll. I mean, it's an educated guess. Okay. Uh, I, I think we're going to know early this week because you know the, the the thought process has been that State might hire a second linebackers coach or let uh, Arnett just coordinate the defense and have a linebackers coach separate of him. But now you don't know that. Now I don't know if McBeth McBath has coached linebackers or if Washington has coached linebackers in the past, but that it just is sort of interesting where it's going to go. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens here, but I, and some of this I'm judging by this isn't real investigative reporting, folks. I'm sitting here pulling up Twitter bios, but Matt Brock right now, mm-hmm. special teams coach Mississippi State, he has on his Twitter bio Mississippi State outside linebackers and special teams coordinator. So that, to me, seems to indicate if he's going to coach outside linebackers that your D coordinator, who's also a linebackers coach, would probably do like inside linebackers or something. Okay. Well, then um, where does Washington fit in? At that point, I think you're probably going to see some kind of scenario. And again, this is me doing some guessing, maybe educated guessing, but I could see McBath doing corners and uh, Washington doing safeties and Tony Hughes like being some kind of roving defensive back coach kind of deal. I, I don't know. That's interesting. Or, or maybe or, or re- rearrange the deck chairs how you will. Mm-hmm. I think Tony Hughes' primary responsibility on this staff is recruiting. Yeah, which I think it would be for <laughs> and, Washington, and, too, to be honest. And, and you can put him over whichever you want to do because he's done about everything. Yeah. Um, do you make him defensive co-coordinator, just in title? I mean, I guess you could. Yeah, because that way you, you got to give him a title that puts him on the field. Otherwise, he can't recruit the same capacity. So. Well, he's going to be on the field. I, don't yeah, know. I know, but I'm just trying to figure out what the title is. What, what's his name? So I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting, though. We'll see how it works out for, for Tony. I, like Now that everybody's done. Now Maybe that, I could just come up with a cool title that nobody else head has. Head Bulldog. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, but now that I think I think you're, I tend to think you're right. If not today, then, then I'm not Monday, then Tuesday. Now that everything's done, they, they should start letting us know who who's who and what's what. And then I would imagine we will meet with these coaches after signing day. I'll just say this. I, I said educated guessing a while ago. Um, I, I was told from a pretty reliable source that uh, we are going to announce everyone's official title on Monday. I mean, it was See, when I asked you, when I asked, are you just guessing, that's when you come in with that. Well, You, I, don't, you don't leave me hanging there. Because <laughs> well, I felt I, like you were very confident. I have been told numerous times throughout this process that, like, this release may be coming in the next day or two, and it hadn't been done. So that's why I'm saying educated right. guessing. But I've been told pretty definitively this time, now that the entire on-field staff is finally hired, mm-hmm. that Monday is when we should expect it. So as you listen to this show, if you're listening on Monday, you might already know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, that's it for today. Hope you guys enjoyed the Super Bowl. Uh, and enjoy your Monday, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday morning. We'll preview Mississippi State 
and Kentucky. Big game there. And like I said, if these coaching hires have made, have made official, we'll have plenty to talk about as far as that goes. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.